Hey everyone, welcome back to The World's Last Night. My name is James Thayer. Today we're going to be reading Genesis chapter 38. It is a little strange because this chapter focuses on Judah and his family line, even though we just had a cliffhanger of Joseph being sold into slavery to a man named Potiphar in Egypt. Well, we chronicle Judah and his family line first, and then in the very next chapter we're going to pop back into Joseph. Now, there could be a reason that the, the chapters are ordered this way. A reason that might um, be true is that this is going to show just how sort of corrupt or hard-headed um, the brothers are that just sold Joseph into slavery, and specifically uh, Judah, who is the fourth in line, who, not because he deserves it, we talked about grace last time, not because Judah deserves it, but he will be the brother that Jesus Christ descends from. And we're going to talk a little bit about what that means um, as far as Jesus didn't come from a line of, you know, super extremely righteous people. He came from a line of very complex, very human people. So here we go. Chapter 38, verse 1. At that time, Judah left his brothers and settled near an Adulamite named Hira. There, Judah saw the daughter of a Canaanite named Shua. He took her as a wife and slept with her. She conceived and gave birth to a son, and he named him Er, or E-R. She conceived again, gave birth to a son, and named him Onan. She gave birth to another son and named him Shelah. It was at Chezib that she gave birth to him. So, off the bat, Judah is taking a Canaanite woman as a wife, which we know is not what the patriarchs wanted for their children. It's not what Abraham wanted for Isaac. But along the way, we've been sort of screwing this up. And Judah is marrying into a, a Canaanite society. And he has these three sons uh, by this lady. So verse 6 says, Judah got a wife for her heir his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. Now, Tamar is going to be kind of the big character for the rest of this chapter, so keep that in mind. Now, Er, Judah's firstborn, was evil in the Lord's sight, and the Lord put him to death. So, we don't know exactly what Er did, what his heart, well, we know his heart was like. It was obviously lusting after evil of some sort, um, but we don't know exactly how he was, how he died, but it seems like he died young, early, and now Tamar is widowed. That's the point of that. Chances are good that he was committing the sin, which in the Old Testament, or the great evil, usually refers to idolatry, worshiping false gods. So, now, heir Judah's firstborn was evil in the Lord's sight, Lord put him to death. Verse 8, then Judah said to Onan, which is, remember guys, that's the second in line, Sleep with your brother's wife, perform your duty as her brother-in-law, and produce offspring for your brother. But Onan knew that the offspring would not be his, so whenever he slept with his brother's wife, he released his semen on the ground so that he would not produce offspring for his brother. What he did was evil in the Lord's sight. So he, talking about God, put him to death also. Now to us, this is strange, but let me explain a little bit about ancient customs, and in fact, this is going to be codified, I believe in Deuteronomy, for the Jews. Basically, it's this. Uh, at this. At this time, 
women were under the headship of their fathers until a certain age uh, when they were they became married and then they became under the headship of the husband so the father was in charge of providing and taking care of his daughters and then when they got married the husband's in charge of taking care of the daughter or of his wife but what if the husband dies and the woman is widowed well the custom of the day is that if there is a brother or what they would call a kinsman's a kinsman's redeemer so kin being like a family member a kin kinsman redeemer um so that could be as far as like a cousin like we're going to see in the book of Ruth that she marries Boaz who is a man who is a kinsman's redeemer in her family line she's widowed also in that story which is a great story well in this case Tamar is widowed Custom is that Onan is supposed to go as being the second brother and basically marry her um, <clears throat> or produce offspring with her and take care of that offspring. But legally speaking, that offspring would not be his. It is, in fact, the offspring of his dead brother. Legally speaking, biologically, obviously not. But the point is that that offspring would be able to carry on the family name of his dead brother. So, like, he redeems that situation. Secondly, the offspring, whenever they're older, which would be like Tamar's children, would then be able to take care of her. So, even as she's widowed in her old age, she's taken care of. So, the custom was a way to always provide for women in the society because... At this point, they were typically provided for by a man of some sort, a father, father-in-law, you know, a husband. And so Onan had this duty to his brother to produce an heir, an offspring. And, well, he decided to have sex with Tamar, but did not impregnate her by practicing birth control. And... As such, God was upset with him because he basically used Tamar for sex, but did not give to Tamar what would be expected, which is offspring, to eventually take care of her and to carry on the family legacy of her late dead husband. So Onan basically tried to get the benefits without... <clears throat> The cost, which would actually be, this offspring would be under his care, so he would need to take care of Tamar and this child. And so he didn't want to do that, but he still had sex with her. He could have just denied this, which would have been, I guess, shameful or whatever. But it's weird. It's culturally strange, but I'm just trying to put us in the perspective of someone of the day so you can un at least understand where these characters are coming from. Okay, so Onan's put to death. Now, for a long time, uh, there was this word Onanism, which was a synonym for masturbation. And so I don't know why, but people read this and thought that this was some form of masturbation that Onan did. That's not it at all. Like, it's so obvious that that's not the sin that Onan committed. It wasn't even, um, you can't even say it was practicing um safe sex or whatever 
it wasn't that either. That wasn't the sin. The sin was he did not fulfill the obligation that he had, the responsibility that he had, yet he took the quote-unquote benefits. So that was his sin, and God put him to death. So now two of Judah's sons are dead. Verse 11, Then Judah said to his daughter-in-law Tamar, Remain a widow in your father's house until my son Shelah grows up. For he thought he might die too, like his brother. So Tamar went to live in her father's house. So this is not a good place for her to be. No one's going to marry her. Um, and at least she's, I guess, taken care of in her father's house. But she doesn't have any prospects of, of being able to have children. Which was a really, once again, you got to put yourself in their shoes. Which was a really big thing for women of the day. You wanted to have children. It was like an honorable thing to do. Um, so, okay. Judah's basically, though, sending her off because doesn't he doesn't he's tired of this he doesn't want to give his third son to tamar and he's like well he's he might die also i guess he might think there's some sort of curse going on here with tamar but in any case judah does have somewhat of a responsibility or obligation to to let shayla uh provide an heir okay he's making excuses verse 12 after a long time judah's wife the daughter of shua died when judah had finished mourning he and his friend hira the adulamite went to timna to the sheep shearers tamar was told your father-in-law is going up to timna to shear his sheep so she took off her widow's clothes veiled her face covered herself and sat at the entrance of a name so this also could be like where the springs are so what you're about to witness i'm gonna go ahead and explain a little bit of it um, but Tamar is going to basically punk her father-in-law, not really like play a prank. I guess that's, that's a bad term for the seriousness of what she's about to do. She's going to sin, but she's also going to entrap her father-in-law. And it's sad because she knows what kind of man he is. So we're about to find out what kind of man he is and see some weird stuff. Okay. So she covered herself with a veil, so you couldn't tell, see her face. And she said at the entrance of a name, which is on the way to Timnah. For she saw that, though Shelah had grown up, she had not been given to him as a wife. So Judah has not um, done what he said he would do, which was that he would give her as a wife to Shelah, even though he is now older and capable. So when Judah saw her, he thought she was a prostitute, for she had covered her face. So Judah's going to this town, passing by Enam, which can mean uh, Mouth of the Springs, and sees this girl who he thinks is a prostitute but it's actually uh it's actually tamar who is dressed up like one so verse 16 he went over to her and said come let me sleep with you for he did not know that she was his daughter-in-law so that's super bad he's widowed now right it sounds like his wife died still wrong it's it's fornication he's not married to her so biblically speaking he should not be sleeping with her <laughs> so not like the best person to look up to. We also remember Judah's the one that basically suggested they sell his brother Joseph into slavery. Yet, remember what I'm going to talk about at the end here, Jesus Christ comes through his line. We'll keep reading. Um, so she said, what will you give me for sleeping with me? Verse 17, I will send you a young goat from my flock, he replied. But she said, only if you leave me something with me until you send it. What should I give you, he asked. 
She answered, Your signet ring, your cord, and the staff in your hand. So he gave them to her and slept with her, and she got pregnant by him. She got up and left, then removed her veil and put her widow's clothes back on. So, uh, this is some Jerry Springer level stuff going on here. So now he has slept with his daughter-in-law. She has been dressed in this, uh, you know, widow's clothes, took it off, pretended to be a prostitute, and trapped him, yet not really. He didn't really trap him. He, like, willingly was seeking a prostitute, slept with her, didn't see, know that it was her because she had her face veiled. Now she's pregnant. Can't make this stuff up, folks. Verse 20. When Judah sent the young goat by his... Oh, one more thing. She kept his signet ring. Now remember that. That's important. Kept the staff, the signet ring, and the cord. Now the signet ring would be a lot like your yours and my signatures. It is something that he would have used to stamp things to give his approval of them. So... It's important. Important. Uh, when Judah sent the young goat by his friend, the Adulamite, in order to get back the items he had left with the woman, he could not find her. He asked the men of the place, Where is the cult prostitute who is beside the road at Enam? So now we kind of we understand that Judah actually thought that she was a cult prostitute, which would be one of these false religions. Sometimes they would have temple prostitutes, uh, some some of them male, some of them female. And so you had these religions where you worshipped false deities and they were all about sex. And so you would actually, it's like going to church to sleep with prostitutes, yet they considered it a form of worship. And so Judah is practicing this. Judah married the Canaanite. Judah's whole family has been infected with paganism. And his heart... I, who knows if it ever was, but it's definitely not bent towards the one true God. He's been led astray. So, there has been no cult prostitute here, they answered. So, the Adulamite returned to Judah, saying, I couldn't find her. And furthermore, the men of the place said, there has been no cult prostitute here. Judah replied, let her keep the items for herself. Otherwise, we will become a laughingstock. After all, I did send this young goat, but you couldn't find her. Verse 24. About three months later, Judah was told, Your daughter in law and not Lord, your daughter in law has been acting like a prostitute, and now she is pregnant. So I'm guessing that Tamar kind of told everyone. So she's pregnant, people have noticed. I'm sure she told people that she was being a prostitute or something like that. She has this plan. She's weaving a, a trap. About three months later, Judah was told, Okay, okay. Bring her out, Judah said. Let her be burned to death. So now Judah's self-righteous here, right? Wanted to burn her to death for her sin, and yet here he was sleeping with a prostitute only three months before himself. So he's a hypocrite. That's not a good place you want to be. In the Bible, you never want to be in that place of hypocrisy. Things come back on you. Verse 25. As she was being brought out, she sent her father-in-law this message. I am pregnant by the man to whom these items belong. And she added, examine them. Whose signet ring, cord, and staff are these? Judah recognized them and said, she is more in the right than I, since I did not give her to my son, Shelah, and he did not know her intimately again. Well, that's good. You shouldn't do that. <laughs> what? Oh, my gosh. So Judah's been caught red-handed 
she uh, sent him the signet, all that. So now he knows that he slept with her, and he's basically saying she was in a more right than me. So they both sinned. He's saying that his was his was greater because he didn't give her Shayla whenever he was supposed to. And then also this hypocrisy of trying to burn her to death. Okay, so verse 27. When the time came for her to give... Give me a second, team. I can turn a page. I'm guessing the next word is birth. We'll find out. Birth. There were twins in her womb. As she was giving... Twins, man. Okay. As she was giving birth, one of them put out his hand, and the midwife took it and tied a scarlet thread around it, announcing, This one came out first. But then he pulled his hand back, and his brother came out. Then she said, You have broken out first. So he was named Perez. Then his brother, who had the scarlet thread tied to his hand, came out and was named Zara. So Perez literally means breaking out. Um, Zeru, the second one, Zara, means brightness uh, of sunrise, perhaps related to the scarlet thread. Okay. And that's where we're going to pause on Judah's lineage here. Um, we are then going to pop back into talking about Joseph in the next few chapters, at least 39 and 40. So I believe it's Perez, the second one, the one that broke out. I believe it's Perez that that's the line of Jesus. He's called by a different name, though, like in Matthew in the genealogy, but it, it looks very similar. I believe that's the one. Okay, so... What is my big takeaway from all this? And a lot of the takeaways in the Old Testament come back to this, is that, and New Testament, that God once again uses broken people for his his plans, and he will take their sin and its consequences and bring good out of it. Once again, I mean, we talked about this in that, like, special episode I did. It really does matter to us how he's going to use us. And all these people are being used as tools, not sons and daughters of God. And they suffer for it. Lots of shame for one thing. So God's going to use this though, to bring about the line of Jesus. And that's exciting. And I cannot wait until we get to the, to the new Testament and we can talk about Jesus because nothing excites me more. So until then, this is James from the world's last night.